Amen. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. God has been dealing with me on an area that I believe will never go old. It will never become stale. As a matter of fact, it has to be the stable in our lives. And so I'm going to share a little bit probably for the next several weeks on living in the glory. Living in the glory. Living in the glory. If I can, I'm going to take you to just to several scriptures because we're going to deal with this over several Sundays. I'm going to set you up with scriptures that, that will be identifiers as, we, as we, we pick the points out. If you want a lot of more excitement in my preaching from this point on, God is redirecting me, so you need to get on power up. If you want to see all my energy, look power up. But if you want the teaching on Wednesdays and Sundays, we're going to do more teaching now. Because there's something, there's something, listen, the, everything that has been going on in our country is telling me, is telling me that Christians have lost their way. We have become so scripturally illiterate that we are being swept away by every, every kind of deceitful promise, every kind of smile. I mean, the, the person just got to come. You know, you, uh, uh, no, I'm not going to make that kind of a reference. I was about to say, you knew back in the old days if, you know, somebody was not quite on, on, the, on the right. You know, you have to have a certain standard about your life. You can't. How many of you young ladies grew up and your parents told you, don't be smiling with every guy that come by? Is that something that I'm the only one that my parents, I heard them telling my sisters? Don't be smiling with every man, every boy that comes by and say, hi, you pretty. And the reason they said that was because you did not want to attract the wrong kind of individual. The onus was not on, on them to be nice so you can respond. The onus was always on you to pick and choose who you will respond to. And so that being said, our moms and dads said, don't be smiling, hikiki with every young man that comes by. If you size them up and there's no, you don't get a good feel, be polite, but don't be giggling. We've lost that in our society today. There's a pressure on our young people to always be opening and welcoming to everything. And it has created a, a, a mire of morality, of immorality. Woo, thank you, Sister Judy. A mire of immorality. So God has been talking to me and talking to me. And I said, Lord, I want more of your glory. I want more of your glory. I need more of you. I cannot exist. I cannot do. I cannot be. And uh, along those lines, he said, you got to start living more in the glory. Living in the glory. I'm going to go from the, my last 
two verses in Acts first, if I can. Acts 1, this is Jesus just before he ascends. He speaks to his disciples, tells them what their work, tells them what the process is, tells them how they should be involved in bringing others to the Father. But he said, don't do anything before something happens. And here is where we launch. Acts 1, 1 through 4. And uh, Acts 1, verses 1 through 4. Or make that, change that around. Acts chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. Sorry. Acts chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. In being assembled, change again. God is just doing all kinds of stuff as I'm standing with you. Let's go to Acts 2 first. Let's go to Acts chapter 2 first. Starting from verse 1. Acts chapter 2 verses 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. One accord, one place. And suddenly there came a sound from the heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven towns like as a fire, and it sat on each person. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other towns as the Spirit gave them utterance. They were assembled all together. If we are following Scripture just right, there were over 500 people in the beginning of Acts that Jesus appeared to after his resurrection. By the time he gave, met the disciples and they realized who he was, that crowd had dwindled down to about 300 as he was about to ascend. And as he's ascending, he said, I'm leaving you, but I'm sending a comforter. I'm sending a power source that will help you to do right by me and by the Father. Do not leave Jerusalem before you receive what I'm sending you. Leave here and go back to Jerusalem and wait there. We start with five, about 500. By the time he gives these instructions, there are about 300. And by the time he leaves, and what he, the person he promises to send gets there, there are 120 people in the room. We have dwindled from 500 or so to 120 people on the day of Pentecost in the upper room. I want you to keep that in mind. Go back to Acts. Now, Acts chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. And this is what he told them. And being assembled together with them... He commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which said he, ye have heard of me. 
for John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. Not many days hence. So he speaks to them and says, don't leave. I'm going up, but don't you leave here. Don't leave until you get what I'm sending to you, what the Father has promised to you. And with God, through his son, Jesus, speaking. Billy Graham couldn't speak more impactingly. T.D. Jakes couldn't speak more impactingly. T.L. Osborne, none of the great men of God could have come across more forcefully to say, don't go anywhere. And still, within a few days, we go from five to three to 120. And this is right the next day after Jesus leaves. I want you to keep that in mind as I go back to Exodus. This is in the, so I've read Acts in the New Testament. I'm going to go back to Exodus 13. As a matter of fact, go, go to Exodus 3 first. Ah, uh, Grant, thank you. Exodus 3. Remember now, we are going through message, a message that is setting up or setting you up for the rest of this year. I am not going to get off. We are not going to get off of the subject of power this year. I am tired. Is there anyone, if you are on our streaming network and you are in this congregation and you are tired about being tired without having power to put your hand on something, lay your hand on someone and pray and see God come down in a mighty way. If you are that person, give God a hand and give him a clap. Let him know that you are one of those. I am absolutely tired and disgusted. And I'm not taking it anymore. How many of you have seen the commercial of J? T. Wetwork, I believe it is. It's my money, and I want it right now. God promised us the Holy Ghost. He promised us might and power and anointing, and I want it right now. I want it today. I want it this year. I want it. I am going to press in if it means getting up at 3 every morning. And moving my time back from four to three, I'm going to do it this year. Because here's the, pro here's the thing. I prefer to be burnt out with God than to be wore out with my issues. To rust out. There's so many of us trying to protect ourselves from, from the day-to-day -day rigors of life. And the problem is the stuff that you got to go through without God is going to rust you out. You are worrying about being wore out. You're worried about being worn out in your spirit, worn out in your mind, wore out if you pray too much, wore out if you come to church, wore out if you do that. Listen, there's nothing that we do for God that will wear you out. 
Exodus chapter 3. This is Moses, God and Moses having a conversation. Don't forget what we said about Acts. It's a promise. He said, wait. He started with 500. We're down to 120 and they got it. What he promised, he gave to them. And because of those 120, now we've got it over 2,000 years. Exodus 3, 1 through 7, reading from the NIV. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of the Midians, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw through the bush that the bush was on fire but did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see. I will go over and check it out, this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. For when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, I want you to keep an eye on that. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, there are so many things, I'm going to drop this here, that God is doing in the supernatural that we can see, but we are not paying attention and we are not going over to look. We are not investigating. We are not asking God about what he's doing. And if you don't show interest, If you don't show interest, God will not push you. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called him. God is not human. God could have been in heaven and called him and he would still hear. There is something about moving closer to what looks and feels and sounds supernatural to investigate. God called him from within the bush, Moses, Moses, and Moses said, here am I. I want you to get, I want you to get this. He did not say, whoa. He did not say, oh goodness. We do not hear fear in his voice. The presence of God does not make you fearful. Oh my goodness. If you are a believer and you see a manifestation of some kind that you do not understand, if it is God, you will not have fear. If it is of the adversary, you will have apprehension. You will have a moment of, some of us say, I felt my skin, my, the hair on my skin growing. Because God is not in the business of making you and I fearful of his presence. Moses says, here am I, here am I, here am I. Verses 5, do not come any closer, God said. 
Don't come any closer. God says, don't come any closer. Take off your sandals for the place. I'm hoping that somebody, as I'm going along and the Holy Spirit is giving me some revelation, that you are writing this stuff down because it is for the rest of the year. It is setting you up for the rest of the year, guys. And I may not, I may not remember it if you come ask me about it after church. Write it down. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. I'm going to check it right there because the Holy Spirit just gave me something. There's many of us as believers, you're a Christian, you're listening to me on the network, that has been wearing or carrying something in your life that fits a purpose that you are comfortable with. And in this new season of living in the glory, God is going to say to you, take it off. And you will be tempted in your mind to say, well, shoes are good for feet. It is not wrong to wear shoes. It protects my foot from something. But when God is taking you into the glory, whatever was your support before becomes obsolete now. God is going to change things up. I can say this because he's already beginning to change and rump, r turn stuff right side up in my own life. He's making me take my emotional shoes off. Okay. He's got me taking my mental shoes off. So I stop questioning as much. I'm just hearing him and say, okay, here am I, Lord. He's forcing me to take my, my, the, the, the shoes of questions and always challenging his word. Well, well, do you have anything else to tell me, Lord? How many of us, we don't say, say, say no to God, but we constantly ask him to prove himself. You think he doesn't know that you're challenging his word? That you are questioning his promise? When, when he gives you instruction, when he sends you a rhema word, and instead of saying, yes, Lord, here I am, you say, well, is there anything else you, you can say? Can you tell me some more? Can you, can you explain the entire process before I start walking? If you are here and you're listening to me this morning, God is saying to you, I want you to live in the glory. I need you to live in the glory. Your family needs you to walk in the glory. Your family needs you to live in the glory. And one of the things that will stop you from walking into the glory of God is our inability to take off that which is natural. I did not say that was that which is sinful. There's some things that God is going to ask you to take off that are not bad normally. It is not a sin 
for a Christian to drink a beer sometimes. The Bible doesn't say that you can't drink one beer. But what the Bible says is that your body is the temple. And if you want to get close to God, God may come to you and say, I know one beer doesn't hurt you, but I don't want you to drink it. I know that everyone in your house is sitting down and watching a beautiful rated R movie. But I want you to get up and leave. And if we are going to see the glory, we're going to have to say, yes, Lord, here I am. The Lord said, indeed, I've seen the misery of my people in Egypt, and I've heard their crying. They're in slavery, and I'm concerned about their suffering, and I'm picking you. Your life is going to be the difference this year between someone left in spiritual slavery and someone being delivered. And it is pivoting on something that is natural to you that doesn't cause anyone else pain seemingly. But God said, I don't want it. Do you know how painful it has been for any man of God, any woman of God, for me to be looking at things in my own life and say, God, I don't see it hurting nobody. I didn't do anything to hurt somebody. I didn't say what so-and-so is saying. I didn't behave this way. And God says, be quiet and just let me work through you. Stick a pen in Exodus 3, 1 through 7. And then go to Exodus 13, 21 through 20 and 22. And after that, Exodus 33 and 9. And I'm, these are going to be the last two, and then we move away. I just flow. Exodus 13, 21 and 22. By day... The Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way. And by night, a pillar of fire to give them light so that they could travel by day or by night. So that they can travel by day or by night. So that they could travel by day or by night. This next season that God is calling us, you, into is a season of new, new examples of his power. So he's going to begin to work in ways that you haven't seen him work before in your life. 
and you will have to trust the process. You will have to trust the process. You will have to trust the process. That's all I'm going to say there right now. Exodus 33 and 9. As Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and remain at the entrance and the Lord would speak with Moses. After all of those scriptures and those multiple texts that I'm asking you to go over and read, and for bonus, for bonus, these are the people who have already clued into X to, uh, to relief and release. I said it to several of you before. God has directed me to Exodus 3 and 22. Remember? He told them to go borrow as much as you can from, from the Egyptians as you leave. Go get, borrow anything you can get from them. Because you ain't going to need to give it back. Write, them, write that down in the corner. Just, this is, a lot of this is prophetic, and I don't even, you guys know, I don't function in that capacity as much. But God is saying some stuff that I cannot just keep. I've got to set the tone for us. Here's the broad statement for this morning's message in living in the glory. The church has been gathering together for decades around good singing and a good sermon. The church has been gathering together for decades around good singing and a good sermon. Israel camped around the glory. You need to hear that, and it needs to sink in. I'm not sure where we fell off the track, but church has become a place of good singing and good sermons, but not great glory. We come every Sunday and so slithery, the adversary has been able to push us out of glory and into performance. He's been able to push us out of goodness, the goodness of God that he showed Moses and when he saw all of the things that God did that he did not know about, it created a glow in his spirit. That when he came down from the mountain, they had to put a veil on his head because he was so shiny. The church has been gathering together for decades now around good singing and a good sermon. And if you've grown up in church like I have, or if you've never grown up in church, you probably have seen the example, the failing example 
the fake example. The continued mediocrity of many of us who have become perpetual churchites, religious. We have been coming to church and we have gathered around the fire, the campfire of good singing and a good sermon, but not the presence of God. Israel, throughout the entire New Testament, what God wanted to do all the time, continuously, was to have them camp around his glory. And as long as they camped around his glory, nobody could beat them. No one could defeat them. No one. It didn't matter if their enemy was 10 times bigger than them. Their God would show up in the glory that they were camping around and drive a stake into the enemy's heart. If you are listening to me this morning and you are saying, I want to live in the glory, I want to live in the glory, I need to live in the glory, I am saying this morning you will have to make a decision that quite often your religious friends will not like. Quite often your religious friends will not appreciate. Quite often they will say that you too churchy. They're going to say that you over the top. They're going to say it doesn't take all of that. You don't have to be getting up that early and praying. There's no reason to be praying for an hour. There's no reason to be talking about God all the time. But you need to understand this morning that you are making a commitment to camp around the glory of God. They don't know. I said it on Wednesday night. Do not listen to the people with your problem. Only listen to the people with your solution. Young man talking to me the other day and we were talking about, about the fact, his words to me, God, the God you're talking about and this Jesus doesn't even, he doesn't, how, I mean, he doesn't even work. There's no, there's no reason for me to become a Christian. And every, I, I waited until he was done and I said, you are absolutely right. And you know why? And this is what I told him. I said, you can never know what I know about Jesus unless you try Jesus. I can't tell you how good he is. I can't explain to you how awesome the Holy Spirit is. I can't, I can't give you words to describe what it means to be led by the Spirit of God. You will just have to get to the place in your life where you trust me enough to, trust, to try God. Until you try God and really try God and commit to him, really give your heart and let his son Jesus come into you, there is no way you can understand the goodness of God that I celebrate. Come taste and see that the Lord is good.
three quick points. We're at 52. There are three things this year that God is going to be calling you to do. And if you want to experience the glory in a way that you've never experienced it before, I'm giving you these three because he's given me these three for me. The first is extended waiting. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. If you're lacking in strength, it's because you haven't been willing to wait. You have said, I will wait. And then when things get tough, you just have to do something yourself. Oh, I will wait on the Lord. I believe. Pray for me, Pastor Andrew. Let us agree together that God will make a way. And I check in with you two weeks, three weeks later, a month later, while I'm still praying and trusting God for you, then I find out, Pastor Ron finds out, we find out that you decided that you couldn't wait no more and you had to do something. One of the areas in which I have had to say this over and over to younger people is in relationships. Because the time clock starts ticking. They turn 18, they turn 19, 20, 25, even 30, 35. And God hadn't sent Boaz yet. I don't see her yet. And, and they start fidgeting. You, you, oh, I'm trusting God, Pastor. And we're crying out to God. Keep me, Lord. Keep me, Lord. I know you can provide for me. And then the adversary throws us a curveball. And some pretty thing or some handsome thing passes by. And the first mistake we make is that we never, here's what the devil does. This is for every young person listening to me. The first thing he does is try to get you connected emotionally before that person passes inspection. You want to know if the person is right for you? Have two people in your life that you trust spiritually, that you know love you and will not tell you wrong willfully. And then when you meet somebody that you think you might be attracted to, do not allow yourself to be emotionally entangled before they pass inspection. And I am not talking about you inspecting them. I'm talking about the people, the two or three people that you trust to be spiritually minded and see through the fluff. 
every single time you're young, you're a teenager, you're a young adult, and you're listening to me, every single time I have spoken to someone who did not make the right decision in a dating relationship, it is always, almost 100% of the time, they did not have anybody spiritual inspecting the goods. get back to number one, extended waiting. When the glory is coming down, there's going to be a waiting time. I said two Sundays ago, we get excited about the season and we let the excitement about the season that God has revealed to us make us too excited about the time. You and I will never be over. We will never know. We will never be concerned. We should never be concerned about the time. The time is in God's hand. The season he will show you. You know when you're going from, a, from one season to the next. You kind of feel it. But you cannot depend on your feelings about time. You and I have to be prepared to just wait. He started off with 500. He spoke to 300 and he said, do not leave until you are filled with the promise of the father that I will send to you in a couple of days. That's all. Just a couple of days, guys. And in a couple of days, Pastor Ron, they go from 5 to 120. From 500 to 120. From 500 to 120. And all they had to do was wait. They weren't just to wait. They weren't just to get to a place and stand there twiddling their tongue. They got there, and two things tell us that they were already in the spirit of worship. Lord, we are here to receive. Lord, whatever you have for me. Lord, do it again. Come on, do it again. For, for, for they couldn't say this because they hadn't received it yet, but we can say it. Lord, do it again. Do it again in me. Do it again in me. Do it again in me. They were waiting and they sat there and they were saying, Father, Jesus told us we should wait. Messiah said, wait. And so we're just here. We're kneeling. We're solemnly kneeling. We're ready. We're ready for what is to be said. The reason I can extrapolate and say that's how they were waiting is because the Bible says very specifically, they were all together in one accord. They were assembled together with one mind and one purpose. Guys, you can't get a crowd of people to assemble with one mind and one purpose except for one of two things. Either the devil has got them all and his work is going to be performed through them or God has got them all. 
and God's work and agenda will be performed through them. In this case, we are talking about God's agenda coming down upon 120. They were all of one mind, one agenda, one purpose. And what was the purpose? We are here to receive. We are here to receive the promise of the Father. Guys, it is not just about extended waiting. It is also about intensive worship. You're going to have to make a decision this year. You're going to lose some friends. You're going to lose some friends that I'm going to take my worship up a notch. I'm going to add an extra five minutes. I'm going to add an extra 10 minutes. I'm taking my worship up a notch. I'm taking, I'm taking my, my worship up a notch. I'm, I'm going to wait for an extra five minutes. I'm going to wait without more questions. I'm going to be more patient with God. Whatever you want to do, I'll tell myself until myself believes it. Lord, whatever your will is, do it in me. Whatever your will is, do it in me. Whatever your direction is, do it in me. Whatever your purpose is, do it in me. I'm ready. I'm ready for your will. I'm ready for your purpose. Say it to yourself until yourself believes it. I'm going to wait patiently because extended waiting before God nets us glory. Nets us glory. I'm going to intensively worship. Don't let anyone tell you you're doing too much when it comes to worshiping God. This year more than ever, you will have challenges. Time will challenge you. People will challenge you. Family will challenge you. It don't take all of that. You don't need to be crying and being that emotional when you're worshiping. And I am saying it's a lie. Number three, the first two will produce astonishing wonder or a stunning wonder that when God begins to move, you're going to see things that you can't explain is what I'm saying. Here's how you're going to know the Holy Spirit is about to break loose. The cloud will begin to descend in your circumstance. The fire will begin to stir in your situation. You're going to start seeing things that you don't understand. People coming to you and being nice that were always hateful. Why? Because the, the astounding wonder of God is being produced. You cannot get to the astounding wonder of the cloud or the fire if you have not committed yourself to letting Holy Spirit lead you. You cannot. I'm inviting you this morning to live in the glory with me. This year is the year we live in the glory. This year, this is the year I live in the glory. I am not going to be taken from emergency to emergency. I am not going to be taken from crash to crash. I am not going to be taken from worry to worry. I am going to live in the glory. I am going to live in the glory. Lord, Father, I thank you. 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 Mm -hmm. 
Help us this morning. We feel the pressure to step out of the railing. We feel the, fle- the pressure to, to flesh out. We feel the pressure to react instead of responding with the Spirit of God. But today we double down. Oh, hallelujah. Today we double down. Today we double down. We double down in our worship. Today we double down. We double down. We double down. We double down in our waiting. Oh, you said they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They were mount up with wings as eagles. We will run and not be weary. We will walk and we will not faint. If we make the decision beforehand that we will wait. Job said, I will wait until change come. I will wait until change come. I will wait. Devil, I'm talking to you. Go ahead and tell him this morning. You're listening to me on our streaming network. I want you to say it. Speak it. Speak it right now. I'm going to wait. God, I'm going to wait on you till change come. I'm going to wait until my change come. I will not let the, 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 the excitement of the season cause me to run ahead of your timing. I will wait until my change comes. In Jesus' name. Say this prayer with me before we celebrate the Lord's Supper. If you're on our network, I want you to get your cup ready. Get your piece of bread ready. We're going to consecrate ourselves again today. We're going to say to God, we're going to celebrate your body that was broken, your blood that was shed, Because we need the glory. I 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 need the glory. glory. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Would you stand with me? Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Father, we come asking you to wash us. Come come in with me and ask God to wash you. Father, wash us this morning. Wash us. 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 Purge me. Purge me with hyssop. Wash my eyes. I can't see. I can't see the attack coming unless you wash my eyes with your blood. Wash my lips, wet my lips with your blood so that I don't speak the wrong thing. Sanctify me this morning. 
would you please ask him to sanctify you, forgive you of every sin, cleanse you of unrighteousness, and ready you for the glory. Come on, we're celebrating the glory. We're celebrating a mile marker. We're going into the glory in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Father, we lift up these emblems that represent your blood that was shed for us and your body that was broken on Calvary. We say by your stripes, because of your stripes, we are healed. 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 I'm healed because you died. I'm healed because you died. I'm healed. I'm healed. I'm healed because you died. Let the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart be acceptable. In Jesus' name, sanctify these emblems as we partake. Let them do immense good to our bodies and our minds and our spirits. In the name of Jesus. Would you partake with me of the bread that represents his body? And now of the juice that represents his blood that was shed for us on Calvary, pays for our sin. Thank you, Jesus. Would you tell him thank you with me? Would you tell him thank you with me? Would you give him a high praise as we close out? Hallelujah! Thank you! Thank you, Jesus! Thank you, Jesus. Let the grace of God the sweet communion of fellowship with him. His awesome presence and his glory come upon you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father, we thank you. Cover us as we leave. Watch over your people this week. Bring us back in the morning for Power Up and on Wednesdays for our awesome Bible study time. 